You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm the Generations Minister at St. John's and I'll be reading our Bible passage for today. We're in 2 Thessalonians at chapter 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendour of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to these teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I grew up in the city, so my most common mode of transport was catching a tram. And during the peak times, the tram packed. I could always tell who regularly caught the tram and who didn't. The regulars would stand with their legs slightly apart and clutch onto the overhead handles or a pole. Why? Because... Cars would often dangerously race against trams or stuff up a hook turn in front of it and then the tram driver would often slam on the brakes. And those without balanced feet clutching their phones instead of the handles would go flying often into other people. In our series, Stand Firm in 2 Thessalonians 2, we encounter a church in Thessaloniki and they're completely thrown into chaos by false teachers. False teachers were going around saying that the day of the Lord had already come, that Jesus had gloriously returned as judge and they were 
prophesying and reinterpreting Paul's words to say this. They even forged a letter on Paul's behalf. Just imagine thinking it's the last day on earth. Maybe the diet goes out the window. Um, Some may think it's a hall pass to do their bucket list in their last few moments. Because of all this false teaching in Thessaloniki, people were shaken. They were losing their heads. Some were dramatically quitting their jobs. Just imagine the conversations with the boss. And in all the panic, Paul says, don't be deceived. What has thrown them was complete lies. And he goes on to encourage them how to stand firm and hold on amongst the false teaching and coming trouble. Well, before we get to all this, for us to somewhat understand this passage, let's quickly address this man of lawlessness. Verses 3 to 12 is some of the most difficult of Paul's writing, so people can get carried away with all different interpretations. So we need to come to this passage with humility because we actually don't have absolute certainty about the identity of this figure. See, Paul addresses this church's alarm by providing a timeline of things that need to happen before Jesus returns to show these false teachers are complete liars. In verse 3, Paul assures them that the day of the Lord won't happen until there's a rebellion and the man of lawlessness is revealed. What? So who's he? Well, to be clear, he's a bad guy. In verse 9, he works with Satan. In verse 4, he opposes God and wants to be God. So he isn't Satan and he's clearly a human figure. And we shouldn't spiritualize his identity saying it's an age of lawlessness. See, when reading the Bible, it's important to ask, who is the original audience? In verse 3, he will not come into a rebellion occurs. Verse 4, he will infiltrate the temple. Verse 7, he was already at work. So on one level, this man of lawlessness could have been a Roman emperor, possibly Gaius Caliglia, <laughs> who was convinced he was divine and erects a statue of himself in the Jewish temple before he was murdered in AD 41. The rebellion could have been in the Jewish war in AD 66 to 70 with the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, followed by terrible persecution of Christians under the Roman emperors Nero or Decius. See, prophecy in the Bible usually has double fulfillment involving both past and the future. See, in every age, Satan is at work and the thrust of 2 Thessalonians 2 focuses on the future of God's people. So this man of lawlessness was likely someone in Paul's day, but also a future figure. Look, end times theology is huge and I can't get into all of this now, but put simply, before Jesus returns, God's people will be persecuted. Things will get worse and some will fall away from faith, climaxing in some sort of rebellion and a figure will emerge who opposes God. But given all this, there is a risk for um us, like this church, to also be alarmed and fixate on the identity of this man of lawlessness. Don't Google it. So we don't need to speculate because this man will be revealed and looking to verses 13 to 17, his identity actually doesn't matter. 
Paul has a better idea of how we stand firm amongst false teaching because a more powerful man is coming. See, like this church, we too can be thrown by false teaching. Lies can significantly impact our lives. About 10 years ago, I was new to a church and quickly made friends with this guy and we just clicked and we became close mates. But as we became friends, it became clear that he was rebuilding his life from scratch. He'd been caught up in a cult and while he now had found new life in Jesus and was healing in Christian community, the impacts of the cult and all the lies continued to impact his daily life. Despite having a well-paid career, he was broke, carrying the massive debt from the cult controlling his money. His marriage had sadly broken down and the impact of ongoing control and manipulation on his mental health just didn't go away overnight. The lies he had believed had damaged him. Our beliefs had power. They can be dangerous. And like on that tram, spiritually, my friend's life had been thrown and the lies he had known were useless in stabilising him. And while my friend's experience was rather extreme, in our series in Job, we've seen there's moments in all of our lives that can throw us out of nowhere, exposing what we believe about God and what we're holding on to. See, in our world, truth has become more and more relative. Absolutes are rejected and inconsistently applied. Notice people now speak of my truth rather than the truth. Online, we see this post-truth world with alternative facts. A politician or a CEO can tweet something enough, lies can become facts too many. As the church, we're not immune from this. We can generally try and understand and apply God's word. Yet online, it can be hard to know if the voices on our podcasts, if our sermons are telling the truth. We too can be thrown. When faithful teachers morally fall or abuse power, when truth doesn't translate into Christ-like character. See, false teaching always has some truth. See, like my friend who ended up in a cult, you might think, well, how foolish. But amongst all the blatant lies and manipulation, there were many attractive truths that drew him in. Just like the serpent deceived the first humans, Satan questioned God's motives and subtly twisted what God had said to be holding out on the first humans. This deception and lies. These false teachers in Thessaloniki took the truth about Jesus' second coming and twisted the details about the timing. And they would have appeared spiritually sensitive and alive and walking in the Spirit's power, but were exposed to be complete liars. In verse 9, notice the characteristics of this man of lawlessness. He'll use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. See, false teaching can be surrounded by what seems to be fruit of God's power at work. Growing crowds, loyal followers, material blessings, public recognition. And Paul says, don't be deceived. In verse 4, Paul exposes his character and motives of what it is. One who opposes God, exalts himself and seeks to be God. See, what we believe matters. 
In verses 11 to 12, Paul shows that believing lies has weighty and eternal consequences facing God's condemnation and death. But Paul gives us another option. How do we stand firm among false teaching? Well, ultimately, the Thessalonians and we don't need to be thrown or deceived if we stand firm holding on to the gospel. See, this chapter ultimately isn't about some obscure end time figure. In verses 13 to 17, notice how Paul lands with all that we have in the gospel. In verse 13, loved by the Lord, chosen, saved. Believing the gospel is a path towards life and truth. And in verse 14, Paul is explicit. He has called you to this through our gospel. Despite all that we have bought, all the lies we're bought into and delighted in sin and deserve condemnation and death, we stand firm in the good news about Jesus, the one who took our place for us. In the gospel, ultimately, Jesus has stood firm and held onto us on the cross. And knowing our new identity as loved by the Lord, chosen and saved, in verse 16, Paul says this is all about his grace. Because of the gospel, we hold on to truth. Look to verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we have passed on to you. Stand firm and hold fast to the teaching sometimes translates to traditions, but it refers to the whole of scripture passed on from the first disciples testifying about Jesus, essentially what Christians believe. And in verse 13, Paul stresses that those saved by Jesus seek to believe in the truth. And the opposite is true. Look to verse 10. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. We need to be careful here. We're, not, we're saved by grace, not having right ideas about God. In James 2.19 says, even the demons believe. But if truth is the path to life, our beliefs matter. We all know people at work or school or in our families whose lives seem so caught up in a web of lives whether their relationships or in the things that they believe, they can no longer recognize what is true and what is false. And with the deception this man of lawlessness or ultimately Satan brings, all of us each day need to search our consciences and ask, what lies have we created or bought into? Instead of our identity being firmly held in the gospel, loved by grace, have we been lied to? Lies that our value is in our career or in that person's approval. That Jesus has only come to bring us health or financial freedom. See, when the bumps of life come, what do we grab onto for truth? What voices are an authority? Maybe it's good places like your family or media or political voices or our loudest friend's opinion. But like that wise person on the tram holding on to the overhead handles, how do we stand firm and hold fast to God's word? Well, in verse 15, stand firm and hold fast is a command. And grammatically, it's something continuous. It's about an ongoing lifestyle. Honestly, are we standing going to God's word? Is listening to the Bible part of your daily life? 
If this is the primary way God speaks to us, it's actually difficult to maintain a relationship if we never hear from somebody. Maybe you've just checked out and made faith all about our community and our friendships here. Sure, it can be a challenge, but it's also true that we've never been more distracted with social media, entertainment, sports on demand, all on our phones. God's word often just can't compete. Get out your phone right now. In the settings, it should say how long you've spent in different apps today, whether social media, streaming, or gaming apps. What is the total time just for today? See, the gospel has given us life, so we should desire to hear what God has to say to us. We can pray, I want to love Jesus more, but it actually won't happen until we're hearing from God's word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10. To avoid being thrown by false teaching, we need to be hearing the breadth of God's word. See, too often we approach the Bible like a buffet. Do you remember Sizzler? You know, picking and choosing our favourites. But sometimes the better dining experience is the set menu, receiving from our chef who knows best. That's why we're in 2 Thessalonians 2 today. Most of us just wouldn't go here. And because the Bible is full of contrasting tensions about God and what he's done, hearing the breadth of Scripture means if we hear one tension, we can also recall what the Bible says about the opposite tension. See, false teaching often goes to the extreme of one tension at the expense of the opposite truth. And scripture often just doesn't meet our moment, but it will equip us for the future. In our Job series, not everyone was terribly suffering, but I pray it serves you well when those times do come. See, like on the tram, if life is good, we can think God is control and we can relax and loosen our grip. But if life is really hard, we can be tempted to let go, missing God's power. But how do we see God powerfully at work when we stand firm and hold fast to God's word each day? Honestly, if you're not reading the Bible, start small. Pick just one book, maybe a gospel, and read only a few verses or one story per day. Start with just five minutes. Bible apps um, have the audio function for those who prefer to listen. But if you are in God's word, there are also apps like the Bible in a year to help us hear from the breadth of scripture. And you can do this with friends. See, some things in the Bible we're unclear on, like the identity of this man of lawlessness. With different interpretations, we should work out our beliefs. But with things like this, those who disagree aren't false teachers. These are open-handed matters, and we can have different convictions and still share unity. But when it comes to our beliefs, what hills do we die on? Some truths are close-handed. As Paul emphasizes that the gospel is something that we don't budge on. See, with these false teachers' lies that the day of the Lord had already come, it went to the person and work of Jesus. This undermined and shook the foundations of everything. The gospel, what Jesus has achieved for us, salvation by grace, including what Jesus will do, 
is something we hold on to for dear life. Sure, there's some issues in addition to the gospel that we won't compromise on, but the gospel is everything and we must never let go. Did you Google the man of lawlessness? It's okay to be curious, but see, sometimes we don't pay attention to the most important things. Standing firm and holding fast to teaching means letting the Bible set the agenda for us, meaning the big things stay big and the small things remain small. But I suspect if you're a new, unless you're a new Christian, you already have some ideas about how the Bible, what the Bible says and how we should live it out. In verse 13, Paul thanks God for the Thessalonians, those who are saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. See, the whole point of holding on to God's word is that right believing leads to obeying God in our daily lives. And in verse 17, Paul finishes praying, encouraging your hearts and strengthening you in every good deed and word. See, the gospel compels us to live under the rule of King Jesus, where our beliefs go from our heads to our hearts, to our hands and feet, changing us and our world. Holding on to God's word means letting it challenge those other things we like to grip onto, which prove to be useless when we're thrown. What regular lies or sins or idols keep on popping up for you? Have you been resisting what God's word has been saying? How is the Holy Spirit compelling us to go from believing the right things to stepping out in obedience? But we can't hold on alone. In this world, we'll be continually bombarded with lies and false teaching will remain. So we all have a truth tank that, think about it, is constantly leaking. And it's by coming here each Sunday and life group during the week and our personal devotions that our hearts and minds are renewed and focus again on the gospel. And our truth tank is filled up again to go out and obey Jesus. There was a time I was on the tram, I was distracted and I wasn't holding on and I was caught out as the driver slammed on the brakes. Well, luckily those around me were my friends. They were standing firm and holding fast to the overhead handles when I wasn't. And they buffeted me when I was throne. It's in a world with many lies that easily unsettles us. We need each other who are standing firm and holding on to God's word. We need to lean on each other when our grip is slipping and encourage each other and build each other up to keep holding on to the gospel and God's word in all areas of our lives, particularly when it's hard to hold on. See, ultimately, we hold on because Jesus is coming. See, this talk of standing firm and holding fast to God's word can sound like it's all about our efforts. Friends, our gospel of grace has a future promise for us to hold on to. Last week, Del, in chapter 1, reminded us that Jesus is coming back in glory. And like this Thessalonian church, we too, who are thrown by lies, can have this certain hope for the future. Our identity through the gospel is grounded in both looking back to the cross and resurrection, but also looking ahead to Jesus' awesome coming in glory. 
Paul says in verse 14, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again in glory and one day it will be ours as well. We have the first fruits of the gospel now and one day we'll experience the harvest in full. So in a world caught in a web of lies, Jesus is completely in control. He is standing firm and will hold on to us. He is sovereign even over those who are deluded by false teaching and is returning to judge those who distort God's truth and delight in wickedness. And when any man of lawlessness is revealed, it won't be like some boxing match where one round goes to Jesus and another round goes to this man or Satan. Look to verse 8. Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Jesus' glorious presence alone will defeat him and Satan and all lies. And while we don't know specifics about our future, including hardships or any satanic figures like the Thessalonians, we too face a world of false teaching and lies. And even as we increasingly face opposition or persecution, let's not be deceived or thrown as we hold on to our true identity in Jesus. Paul finishes praying for this church who are loved by God's grace. Verse 16, gave us an eternal encouragement and good hope. We have strength to stand firm and hold on into the future. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.